Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining me this week as I bring my conversation with Joe Bakhmutsky, who is a podcast host in his own right, Simplifying Cancer, and he shares his own experience moving through and creating a whole new life after cancer, talking about how he shows up in the world, how he reckons with change in a conversation that is relevant, whether you or someone you love have, has experienced cancer or simply after coming through the last year that we've all been in. Listen in as Joe and I explore the ways that we can define the new future that we want to step into and be our own champions. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with me this week for a terrific conversation. I am so excited to dig in and talk with Joe Bakhmutsky. I'm so sorry. It's such a terrific that was, name. That was awesome, I love Susan. it. Yeah. Oh, you're kind. We're going to have fun. Joe is a celebrated speaker, author, and coach used, who is using his lived experience with cancer and mental health struggles to share inspiration and advice on how to thrive despite the setbacks and challenges you might be facing today. He is also the host of his own podcast running for two years now, so it's always nice to share a conversation with a fellow podcast host. We will have the link to his show in the show notes, as well as ways that you can be in touch, because I know you're going to want to continue the conversation after you get to know Joe a little bit better. Thank you for making some time in your morning, my afternoon on the other side of the globe. Oh, thanks, Susan. Thanks so much for having me, and thank you for, for the kind words. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so glad that we are connected because I love to share stories of people who have come through difficult experiences and have, have the insight, have the aha moment, just give themselves permission to put their happiness and well-being first, and especially those who are bringing that message out to the world. So thanks for, for being a part of the conversation here. Thanks so much, Susie. I really appreciate it. And uh, I think, you know, what you're doing is so vital. It's just happen, helping uh, all of us. This is something that we all need right now is finding, you know, more ways of dealing with stress, with the, with the, with the craziness of daily life, right? Yes. Yeah. It gets pretty crazy. <laughs> and then we <laughs> add in some of these other life events. So um, I'd love to know a little bit more about your story, a little bit more about your life before cancer and then how it moved and inspired you to sharing this message. Yeah, yeah, uh, thank you, Susie, yeah, absolutely. So I was actually at the best point of my life before cancer. Uh, and, you know, I just, um, you know, fell in love and, and married with uh, the woman uh, I've always wanted to meet without 
knowing it. Uh, we, we, like I said, we got married. We we had a baby. I my career was just shooting up. I was just I was just all of a sudden like it was everything just came together. It was so perfect until really like uh, like one night I was just in the shower. And I was just getting myself clean. And that's when I kind of my hand reached down and I felt this lump. I felt this hard lump on my testicle and just just this cold shiver went right through me. Because in that moment, I realized that something is wrong and it kind of clicked in for me why for weeks, like like I felt like my underwear (laughs) shrunk three sizes and it was awful. Like, I just, I, it's all fell into place for me. And so, you know, the next day I ran to the doctors and I was sent off all sorts of tests and really things, um, things happened quite quickly from there. I, I uh, had an operation, I've, I've, I've had chemo and, and you know, I was, uh, the, the chemo was, there was like a nine weeks in hospital. So it was, it was, a, it was, a lot of things happened and uh, and it was a completely life-changing experience that happened in a blink of a moment uh, where you know it was just one moment like life was perfect and then just everything changed well i'm so grateful that you had that that opportunity that a presence of mind to be really reveling in how wonderful life was going for you, it, it does make it, I think, even more jarring when suddenly you're pulled out of it. And then to, I'm sure, I would guess, be dropped into treatment so quickly, it's it's hard to tie up loose ends to take that time, you know, suddenly you're gonna be away from work. So you, were you staying in hospital while you were undergoing your whole chemotherapy treatment? Well, I was staying there for for uh, for parts of it. Parts of it, I was able to come home and go in, uh, to the hospital to get uh, uh, to, uh, to get treatment, um, so it was kind of a mixed bag. But all in all, it it was a couple of months where life really flipped on its head, and I think this is this is one of those uh, <laughs> what you you described as life events, right? Where something happens and when you totally don't expect it, and it completely changes all of your plans for the future it completely changes uh, even your some some instances your body how you think about yourself how you look at the world and it forces you to kind of adjust and and figure out a new way forward and and, and kind of a new way of, of thinking about yourself and and ultimately, what do you want to do with yourself, right? Because that that also changes, I think, when we go through experiences in life, right? Yes. And I, I would dare say a lot of people over this last year have really come to take a closer look at if they're doing what they want to be doing with their life, right? These really dramatic experiences kind of make us stand still for a minute and ask the big questions. Are we really happy with where we are, with where we think we're going from here? Um, it's unfortunate that it takes a big crisis often to make us really take a deep look at that, but it definitely does. And it shifts your priorities, I'm sure. Did you, did you find yourself putting more priority on things that you thought previously you could, you could wait until later and come back to? That's exactly right, Susie. It's, it's, it's funny how, yeah, it's exactly as you say, it's funny how sometimes you, you get so lost in, 
in just kind of your know, reality of daily life, right? Because we are all so busy, right? There's always just so much that is going on and you're doing all of those things. And sometimes you kind of forget to ask yourself, I mean, is this really what I want? Am I really kind of going in the right direction here? Um, you know, and, and I guess that's, that's the reality of, you know, what we're experiencing. And this is, of course, the reality where I, you know, I was asking myself, is is my life am i doing the right things am i am i in the right place myself and i think we when we are confronted with these big changes when we're confronted with situations where we have to decide uh you know what's next or you know it, it almost forces us to kind of rethink you know like am i in a good place and and in a way to to take back control because when things happen you know whether this be a pandemic or whether this be uh difficult personal circumstances whether you know whether it's it's a health issue or whether this is a, you know whether this is a, a a personal crisis or whether this is some kind of financial difficulty we, we get into a situation where we be a place of like uncertainty, right? You don't know what's going on. And you you feel like things are just happening to you, right? You feel like all of these things are just coming at you, right? And you're trying to, to, to kind of go, uh, like, what do I do now? And you're kind of trying to adjust and you're kind of trying to get your bearings. And I think the key thing is, you know, before even decide, you know, <laughs> what it is that you want and what's right, is to try to get some semblance of control back into your life and figure out, you know, like really to me, it comes down to separating what you can control from what you cannot control. And then, and then like, for example, with cancer, right? With cancer, I knew that I had no control over like how the cancer is gonna spread. I had no control over the, whether the treatment would work. But you know what? I thought, well, what I do have control over, I can understand what are the treatment options. I can at least ask questions. I can get myself to a place where I understand enough about what it is that I can do. Uh, I can understand, I can kind of bring my 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 family, uh, you know, and friends to kind of let them know what's going on and help them to kind of be be there for me on my terms, <laughs> you know, which was a big thing. So I think that that kind of uh, uh, taking back control and figuring out what is it that you can do, I think that's a critical first step when you're in a difficult spot. Oh, I think that's such a powerful perspective. And a lot of people in my experience get really caught up in, in laboring over the things that they don't have any control over. Really sad, really pessimistic, losing hope because of everything that's outside of their control and forgetting how much is within our control and really maximizing that. So I appreciate your illuminating that. I think that's really helpful for people to, even in the most dire situations, start to separate, right? And not put our energy into the things that we can't change, but really put our attention and efforts into what we can maximize or improve or, or ask for help. I, I like too that you talked about telling your friends and family how you needed them to show up for you. 
<laughs> exactly, Susie. And in a way, I feel also like I just want to touch on what you said earlier, which is exactly right. That like separating what you can and cannot control. And sometimes that's that's easier said than done. But what I think in this case is is particularly helpful is if you if you actually just throw all of yourself, all of your energy, all of your kind of presence, all of your time into things that you can control. And that will naturally lead you away from the things that you cannot control. Things like worry, things like craziness. I'm not saying they're going to completely eradicate it. That's not possible, but it will at least, it will kind of put it into the background, which I think is a big deal. And I, I, I don't think I was also entirely truthful with you when I said that, you know, I kind of let people know how they can support me. That was a journey and I certainly made mistakes. I wish, I wish, Susie, I was like in the place where I was like, I was telling people exactly what to do and I wish I, they'd given me exactly the support that I wanted. That wasn't really the case. I think I've learned to do that, you know? I mean, uh, even with, with like, with the family, no, I remember this moment, Susie, when I was just, I just before I was going to start my chemo, I knew that I was going to be in hospital I, uh, for a long time. I knew that the hospital was far away. I wouldn't be able to see the family as, you know, like, like my wife was working and like uh, our son uh, was, uh, was in daycare. I knew I wouldn't be able to see them um, for a little while. And so I, I wanted to spend some time with, with, with my son. He, he was two at the time. And so I took him to, to our favorite park. And, you know, we spent this, this just this magical day. You know, we just had this so much fun. We, we were like chasing the seagulls and we were like played with his toys and we were like on the swings and like uh, playing with the toy cars and they had the picnic, like all of this great stuff. And we had just this magical day. And when we were going home, I thought, like, what can I tell, like, this, you know, my two-year-old about, like, my cancer? Like, I don't want to scare him. I don't want to put him off. So I ended up not really saying anything at all. Like, we just said, oh, well, I'm just going to the hospital. The doctors are going to look after me. And we would, like, just talk on, on Skype, right? That's uh, <laughs> what we had back then. So, and I noticed that when I was in the hospital and we would talk on Skype and we tried to have a normal conversation, there was me on one end and you know, kind of my wife and, and my kid on the other end. And I noticed that this, like this kind of pain of not understanding what's going on. Like, like as if us adults were like keeping secrets from him, right? Cause he could feel that something was off but he didn't know what it was. And, you know, when I saw that pain in his eyes of just not knowing what's going on, I realized that by wanting to really shield and protect my son from this experience that I have with cancer, instead, I excluded him. And, and that's when I knew that things had to change. And this is when we, you know, had, we talked about it. We talked about how to have these conversations with him. And, and this is how we ended up, you know, bringing up cancer, telling him about how it is. And I was surprised that he took it well, you know, because he knew what was going on. We were like, just kind of upfront and direct. And in a weird way, 
I think that this really came out for me is when the time came for his third birthday, right? We, we had this, we had the, we had the plan for his big party and everything. And of course that didn't happen, but we decided to have a, his kind of birthday party in my, in my oncology ward. They had the separate room there for us. And it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, like my wife brought the presents, my, my mom brought the cake. We had oncology nurses come and sing happy birthday. And it was just this, it was, it was a lot of fun. And when we were there and I was there just plugged into my drip. And when I saw like just my son, you know, hugging his like this huge Hulk toy <laughs> that he had. I, when I saw that, I thought, well, that was the moment when this whole cancer thing became normal. And that's what I think is the crucial realization that when we make our struggle, when we make our challenge, when we make it, instead of kind of wanting to put it away, put it away to the side, um, hope it's gonna go away, uh, like shove it somewhere out of view, but if we instead make it part of our lives and kind of learn to live around it, I think that's when it does the least damage, I feel. I think that's a really important story. I'm so, so glad that you shared that with us because we do, we get into this space where we think we know better. We know what people can handle. We'll just protect them. We'll keep it all on ourselves, right? And we're doing them a service. And, and just like you were able to see, as young as he was, he knew that there was something that wasn't being disclosed. You know, people understand when we're withholding from them. And so I think that's, you know, really gave him more confidence that you have this faith and trust in him that there might be things that are hard to understand, but he's part of the conversation and not, you know, there aren't secrets that he has to wonder about just bring all that stress off of the table. I mean, there's enough stress as it is. We don't need to also add stress into the, what don't I know? What don't they tell me? So I think that's important because um, parents and family members, we do get into the space where we think we're protecting people by shielding them from what's going on. Exactly. And you know, I think we're also so good at making wrong assumptions. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm a I'm a master at this, just making assumptions about other people, just in general, like what do they want? What do they know? Um, you know, like one of the things that I assumed is that people would kind of react in, in, in a very particular way to, you know, like friends and, and family, but people reacted all sorts of different ways. And I realized that with some people, like they were, they didn't know how to react. So they didn't want to say the wrong thing. They didn't want to do the wrong thing. So they kind of didn't do anything. And at the time it really was really, was, was incredibly upsetting to me because there were some people who kind of just disappeared from my life really at the time when I needed them the most. And this is a, a huge, one of the huge lessons that I've learned was I think, you know, instead of assuming that things, people will do certain things, or, you know, you know it's, this whole explicit communication has just become such a big point for me, Susie, because unless, I, what I've learned, and this is, um, you know, uh, I think true, especially when I think of guys, right? But I think for, for everyone, we, we, uh, I think we all work this way, is unless you specifically tell someone 
how you feel and what you kind of would love them to do for you and help you or support you or, uh, or like what it is that you kind of want them from them for yourself, it's probably not going to happen, <laughs> you know, because like people just can't read our minds. And I think we just forget that sometimes because we, we think they know you and, and that, that, that automatically qualifies them to be mind readers. And it doesn't. <laughs> I wish it did, though. <laughs> <laughs> if we could add that to our superpowers, we could put in a request. But I think I think that's a really important lesson, just to to not expect people to have those psychic powers, and to to help everyone out, help yourself out, and help them out by letting them know how they can support you. I think that's empowering all the way around. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and also, Susie, I think when you do that. I also think it's incredibly empowering for those people around you because if there's if this is your close friend, if this is like a, a, you know a colleague or or a business partner, if this someone, if this is your uh, romantic partner or family member, if they truly care about you, they're gonna love you for it because you when you explicitly tell them what's going on and how they can help you you've really just made it so much easier for them to really be there for you and support you on your terms right because like there's no guesswork they don't have to figure out what to do like they just know right <laughs> exactly exactly it makes everybody feel a little bit more capable or empowered in the situation absolutely and I, i'm curious too so I'm not familiar, very familiar with the healthcare system in Australia. So um, I'm guessing that the medical needs were met right out the gate. This is what's happening. This is how we feel we need to treat you. How did you go about getting other support? Were, were, did you find a therapist or a counselor at that point? I mean, I'm sure mentally this was incredibly overwhelming to take on at a, a young age with a young family. Well, absolutely, Susie. And I have honestly can say that I had no idea about any of that. And I think this is one of the was for me one of the biggest realizations was um, like I never it never occurred to me to seek any psychological support because I was like, well, this is cancer. Like this is supposed to be hard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and. and and also I come from, you know, from Eastern European long line of like life is supposed to be hard anyway. So just yeah, find your best way of dealing with it, you know. Um, but I think this is and I found out uh, uh, so much about all sorts of different support services and, and physical health and mental health. Actually, when I was doing the podcast, because I was I, I came across all these experts in all these, these different fields and, and how that can make a huge difference. But I think this is true for like all of us, right? In whatever way, walk of life or whatever situation we're in, like oftentimes, like it never occurs to you to go and, and say, you know, I'm going to find a therapist. I'm going to find a professional. I'm going to get someone to help me deal with this because sometimes you are just so stuck in the reality of, you know, like trying to deal with, whatever crisis you're in, well, for me, it was obviously going through treatment, which was really overwhelming, right? Because you had to learn this all this new language and all this new way of can, looking at things. But we get so, you know, we get so pulled in into these, like just the challenges of daily life. Sometimes if you go to say, 
but forget to say, well, like, what's right for me? Like, what would actually help me right now? And I know it sounds so basic, <laughs> so obvious, but I wish somebody just, you know, tapped me over the shoulder or banged me over the head and said, hey, man, you, you got to get do something, <laughs> you know, to get help, right? Yes. So, so it was really after your own experience, as you were sharing this information and finding more resources that you became aware of how much more there is available support wise. Exactly. I, I had no idea. And, and maybe, and, and this is of course, uh, you know, specific, I guess, in different situations, because sometimes you might find out about it through all sorts of different channels. And of course, that depends on the situation you're in, depends on the system, depends on all sorts of things. But yeah, I think it's so, I think at the heart of it is, um, you know, this is, I guess, the decision that, I guess, a realization that I had, Susie, is that no one is more invested in your health, in your well-being, and your happiness as you are yourself, you know? Even if you have people around you who really care for you, even if you have people who love you and support you, you got to look out and do what's right for you and find out things that are going to be right for yourself, that are going to support you through a difficult time, um, you know, which we all face in one way or another. And just kind of be your own champion when it comes to to health and happiness. Absolutely. I'm so glad. And I love the passion that you bring all of this out with. I hope that people are just taking it in. You have to be your own champion. No one else is going to put your well-being and your happiness first, right? We have to learn how to do that for ourselves and be our own advocate and look for the tools that we need and not sell ourselves short and say, Cancer is supposed to be hard. Of course, I'm struggling. <laughs> Everyone struggles. We can find resources to help to help lift us up. I think that's I think that's really important for people to to hear and to take in. So thank you for that. So after so since then, along your path, what's helped you to be healthier and happier as you've become aware of other resources and, that you can call in? I think it's it's also came to when it came to a point of really being um, you know at least beyond the immediate immediate kind of <laughs> danger of you know dying from cancer when I had my first all clear, I found myself in a really weird place, Susie, because what I expected was you know I'm going to get all clear, I'm going to go back to everything's going back to normal. And on so many levels, it, it turned out that that was not going to be the case. And I, I just remember distinctly, you know, coming home after chemo and I, uh, and I thought, well, I'm just really going to enjoy this now. I can go to the toilet with my door closed. <laughs> I can do all sorts of things. You know? uh, I'm just going to enjoy this, my time at home. And I remember like, uh, I made myself a, a fresh pot of coffee. I got the book that just I got arrived that I ordered. Um, you know, this next book and the kind of the series that I was reading. I thought, I'm really going to enjoy this, you know, going back home for a couple of days before I go back to work. And I remember just, I came out on, on, on the deck 
Uh, and I just wanted to go and sit down on the swing bench we've got over in the backyard. And I remember just my head started swimming and I felt so off. Like I just, I finally somehow made it to the, uh, there I sat down. I remember having a drink of my coffee and I, I love coffee. I'm a big, a huge coffee snob and I had this gulp of coffee and it was disgusting. I nearly just spat it out. It was awful. And I realized, oh God, God, like this is my, like my taste bud have changed after chemo. And, uh, and I was like, oh, that's awful. And I opened up my book and I, and I looked at the words and I, I recognized the words, but none of it kind of could fit in. And it was just like a jumble. And I was like, I put that aside. I was like, I'm a mess. You know, I'm a mess. Like I, you know, I have to get back into life. I got to go back to work. I have to be there for my family. Like I'm not, in, I'm not in any way, shape or form to be like in a good way, mentally or physically. I put lots of weight as well, because I, when I went through a treatment, I was on these steroids and it made like, which was great because it helped me with the treatment, but it also made me eat like crazy. So I put on, like I put in at least 15 kilos uh, through that time, right? It was, it was so, I think on all levels I was, and also I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, like just, you know, the, like everything that I knew that made sense was just now was kind of up in the air. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I decided that I needed to really get a, you know, get a hold of myself and figure out what's right for me. So I started to, to, to do things that I've never really done. Like I've, I've, I went to see exercise physiologist who did like a, a program for me, how to kind of get into fitness, which for me was a big deal because I've never done anything to do with my <laughs> health or fitness. I, I started eating well. I started, I went to see, you know, um, uh, a nutritionist who actually specializes in people uh, who had cancer. And so I started doing all sorts of things. I started reading, uh, you know, a ton of self-help books. I started to, uh, psychology books. I started to try to figure out like what is going to be right for me. I started, you know, reading about mindfulness and, and trying all sorts of different things to figure out like what's going to work for me. And, uh, and it just, and, and I think th even through trial and error, I found, lots and lots of things that I feel worked for me or I found my way of doing them that I, I felt like, you know, I felt like, you know, uh, was maybe, you know, an insight or something that's, that's, that's changed and, and it really gave me a completely different way of looking at things or even simple, simple things like, like journaling and finding, you know, kind of the right types of questions to ask myself so I can kind of make sense of what's going on, you know? So I guess doing all of that has really been transformational because it helped me to find a place where I felt like I was now in control of my life. I was at least in control of my health to the extent that I could control my health, right? And over a period of time, it's really has been transformational in just getting me back to the, you know, the, what's called the new normal, <laughs> where I feel like I am uh, in, in all honesty, at least, you know, physically and mentally, I'm in the, in the best place that I've ever been, even considering how I was before cancer.
Mm, I think that's so important. Um, I love what you're saying about that. And I can't help but think of drawing a bit of an analogy. Um, it can be a leap. I haven't had cancer, so I'm not trying to minimize what you went through, but the, what people have been through in this last year has been such a huge shift. And I think a lot of people are frustrated or even grieving right now because they felt like when this is in hand, we're going to go back to normal. And then discovering that just normal doesn't work anymore. It's, it's not the same. And we're not the same because we've been through a life-changing experience protracted over a whole year. You got to just try to digest all of yours over nine weeks of chemotherapy, which is incredibly intense along with just, you know, worrying about the outcome, right? Your own personal health and, and how is your family going to look when this is all over? And so taking that opportunity, when you start recognizing this doesn't work, I'm not the same person. What do I look like? What works for me? And really getting to work, I think is just so admirable because perhaps that's a point at which people get psyched out. They get frustrated. They start to count the limitations. Think about the things that are beyond their control. I don't have the focus. Where's my, you know, my mental acuity? Where's my physical strength? and be frustrated on all of that instead of looking for the opportunities that you are able to find. I mean, just a, all of these tools that you let yourself explore and discover what works for you and, and what doesn't, I think is so empowering. And, and to hear you say you feel better, stronger, happier now than even perhaps to an extent before your diagnosis is really empowering. And I hope that brings hope to people. Yeah, absolutely, Susie. And, and thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. And I think it's so true, you know, because whenever you go through a difficult experience, you know, like the crazy, uh, the crazy time is that we had throughout the pandemic, right? That's been such a huge shakeup for, for all of us. It's where it's, you know, because when you go through these experiences, sometimes we go like things don't make sense. And you know, like, like, like what you rightfully so pointed out that the new normal doesn't really exist or whatever you knew is normal. So I think it's important to kind of let yourself say, you know what, that's the case. And also I've changed. I think that's okay to say as well. If you go through, you know, it's hard to imagine going through kind of any kind of uh, big transition in your life and then expecting yourself to be the same person, right? Because you're not the same person you were, you know, uh, 10 years ago, you're not the same person you were five years ago. And, or, and it's a natural process that we go through and uh, we evolve, we change. And when you go through kind of a big dramatic experience that kind of just accelerates it. And, we, and, and what we need after that is the time to kind of process it is what we need the time to, really accept well look this this is a huge thing that's happened and circumstances have changed and i've changed but what i do now and i think you know and this is a, i think a, a really you know a great thing that we can <laughs> we can explore now as well because right? i think that's a that's a big deal right Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that the more we can pool resources, share the stories of what worked and what didn't work, um, just helps to lift us all up to inspire a little hope and bring, you know, some levity into the process that otherwise can be really overwhelming when we start counting everything that we have to give up, everything we don't get to step right back into instead of exploring 
what can we grow into and what can we start to call in, start designing our life from this point forward rather than counting the losses. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a uh, such a fantastic way that, that you describe it, Susie, in grow into, right? It's not like, it's not something that you just kind of made up on the spot because you were bored. It's something that is a natural transition, a natural growth. And that's really how I think about it. When we, when we go into situations that, that, you know, we're in kind of these, in these transitions with something's changed, something's kind of shifted in your life is to me, it also has to be a change in how we think about ourselves, how you experience meaning, like what is meaningful to you right now? And I think the, the way to do it is to kind of, instead of holding those worries, I know this is what's, what's helped me in a big way, and focusing on all those things that could go wrong or things that don't seem right, because there's always that, is to, to look, try to look outward and, and think about, you know, what really helped me was going, who do I want to help and why? And I think this was a big revelation for me because uh, and it's even those two parts of the question, like figuring out who do I want to help? Because it made me think, well, you know, because we all go through our own, we have our own unique experiences. And, you know, when we think of outside of ourselves, when we think towards other people, when we think towards people who may be struggling right now, people that, you know, uh, might be in your family, might be in your community, might be people that, you know, have experienced similar things to yourself. Right? We always look for, we, I mean, that's why we kind of, you know, that's why we live in cities. That's why we make friends. That's why we fall in love, right? Because we have, we have this affinity and we have a need to be with other people. And I think that's why it's so crucial to rediscover those connections, rediscover those links and, and make a difference to others in whatever way that is for you. But I think that transitioning from yourself to others is such a huge release, right? Because it, it puts, it kind of takes away the pressure, or at least some of the pressure and the worry about what, like, what, what, what is going to happen and how am I going to deal with this? And how am I going to how am I going to be able to handle that? And instead of again, it kind of transition your your energy and your attention towards things that again, like we touched on earlier, that you can control, but they are to do with other people. And when you can think of of a person, or and you know, like this could be uh, this could be your brother, this could be your partner, uh, this could be kind of a group of people that you are connected with, or at least affiliated in some way, or have gone through a similar experience. I mean, for me, it was, for example, initially when I, you know, in my journey, it was people who've been through cancer. Now, I guess I, I feel of it, it's, it's, it's big, it's anyone who's been through struggle, you know, and and figuring out like, who do you wanna help and why? Because we all go through our unique experiences, right? And it shapes who you are as a person. It's, it, it, you have your own really unique perspective on what the world is like. And you've learned so much. You, <laughs> you know, every one of us has learned so much about ourselves, about life, in the way that we can help whether that's through just sitting down with someone and being able to listen, 
or whether that's through some kind of a practice or whether that's through some kind of a project, whatever that is for you. But there, is, but there are things that we can do for other people that can they're going to be able to help you to deal with whatever challenges that you experiences in your life and knowing why that is important as well because if you feel like well you know for example i want to help uh, you know i want to help you know my family by renovating the kitchen you know or i want to help uh, you know other people who go through challenging times to live a happier, more fulfilled life, or whatever. Having that that why that is that is meaningful to you, uh, that is specific to you, and and I guess your perspective and take on the world is so crucial because that that can be that can be the driver. That's what's going to keep you on track to to live the life that you truly want. Yes, I think that's I think that's beautifully put. A powerful antidote to worry is looking for ways that you can serve and support others. And and you know, getting outside of ourselves, getting outside of that endless list of things that are wrong and showing up for other people, getting context again. Like what are other people struggling with? There's a lot that's the same. There's a lot that unites us. There's a lot that other people have on their plate that we don't. We're blessed in ways that sometimes it's hard to see when all we're counting is our struggles. And so I, I love that. I hope that people really take that to heart. And, and, you know, sometimes in this space, you know, if you, if you're really into personal development, people get this feeling, oh, I have to know my purpose and live my purpose. And my whole life has to be built around it. But, you know, perhaps you have a job that's nine to five and you go and you support at work, but what really lights you up is those little ways that you're able to show up and support others, a personal project or a mission or aligning with a nonprofit group, you know, and looking for ways to be of service. It doesn't have to be your life work. It doesn't have to be your career, but there are ways that you can support other people. And I think that's really rewarding in, in both aspects for them and for ourselves. Yeah, that's so true, Susie. And you know what? It's also a start of a, of, of, it might be a start of, of a journey, right? Because when you start, when you put yourself on the path to doing this one thing, maybe it starts out as something really small. Maybe it starts with, I don't know, like volunteering for someone like for an hour a week or whatever, right? It kind of can lead you to different things. It can lead you to meet different people. It might give you ideas to like to do all of, of the things that you've never thought of before. Like I never thought that, you know, I'm going to start a podcast. I never thought I'm going to have, you know, um, now two books, right? Uh, you know, I, all those things, all those like, or speaking or, you know, or getting into coaching, like all of those things I've never really considered that were possible. And unless I've taken the first step where I had no idea what I was doing, you know, I had no idea. Like my first podcast guest was my, because I knew that people were struggling with it. You know, and I, I knew that I wasn't the only person who was, was kind of dealing with you know, this life after cancer. So I was like, well, who do I speak to first? Who would be my first guest? Well, I guess I'll just talk to my oncologist, right? And see if he wants to go on, right? So I had no idea what I was doing. And I didn't have any huge plans. My, my plan was like, how do I get answers for myself? How do I kind of live a better life? And just hoping, well, maybe it helps uh, another person. You know, that's how it all started. 
And I think that's such a huge thing that we have, especially in our culture, where we have all this kind of overnight success, uh, Susie, like where there's so much pressure to kind of instantly, you know, be successful in everything that you're doing. And that's just so not true, right? Like you get, you got to start where you are. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. I did have that in mind as you were talking. I was like, you probably couldn't have imagined with that first podcast interview with your oncologist that all of these years later, you're still at it. Your audience is growing. And now, as you say, you have books, you're coaching clients and, you know, always discovering more ways that you're able to serve and support. Tell us the name of your podcast so folks can look it up. We'll have it in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's a Simplified Cancer Podcast. So it's, uh, you can find it uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts or yeah, simplifycancer.com. Yeah, that's also, that's the place. Beautiful. I love it. I'm so grateful that you made this time and we brought, you brought this conversation. I think this is so, so valuable. Is there anything else you want to share with folks as we wrap up? Yeah, I think it's just so vital. Like, like we talked about throughout this conversation to really be your own champion when it comes to health, when it comes to wellness, when it comes to looking out for yourself. Because what I found in life is that we have to really channel, you know, ourselves into where we want to grow into, like you said. I think that's so crucial because why worry about all those things that could go wrong when there is so much to make right? Beautiful. I love it. I'm so glad you found that ability to be your own champion. Thanks for, for bringing that. And I hope that other people take you up on it and look for ways to be their own champion and, and carve a, a brighter future and path forward. Thank you so much, Joe. It's been a treat talking with you. Thank you so much, Susie. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for what you do in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit HappifiedLife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.